Hi, this is Tony Silva. And Charles Wiz. And this is episode 80 of Two Teachers Talking. Charles and I get together and talk about teaching English in Japan. Um, all the things that bother us, all the things that thrill us, all the joys, frustrations, etc., etc. Today we're talking about Moodle. Now, what the hell is Moodle? <laughs> uh, we're going to find out. <laughs> right, Charles? Moodle, Moodle, Moodle. Yes, well, we have an interview with uh, two Moodle users, two or two people who use Moodle, um, George Truscott at uh, Kindai University and Bill White, who is an adjunct professor at a number of universities, and they're going to talk about Moodle. What is this thing? Noodle? Noodle? Moodle? Noodle? What a name, Moodle. Mm. You want to explain so, it, Tony? I don't know if I can. I can try. <laughs> well, it's, okay, um, let's... Cool. Let's start with the basics, maybe, because yeah, I think yeah. it's going to be a little bit confusing for people who aren't that tech-oriented. Right. We're talking about learning management systems. And how would you explain a learning management system, Tony? Uh, it's a, it's a, mm, well, this was the way you described it, what I thought was really good. It's <laughs> right. like fa Facebook for teachers, right? Basically, yeah. You can upload things download things, you could put links, people can comment, people can communicate with each other. Um, and then it has some extra teacher, kind of teacherly teaching things like the ability to record grades, have automatic grading, put quizzes. So it's basically a very kind of, I guess the easiest way to think about it would be as a website with lots of tools to help teachers. But it's right. really not a website, it's actually, it's a system. Right. Does that work? I think so. I think so. And if you're for for teachers who haven't already like dipped their toes in the water, it's kind of I think it's very hard to explain to them what it is or what the advantages might be or the, the advantages or the disadvantages. But that's basically it. It's a it's a it's a like you said, it's a system. But you can almost think of it as a site, as a web page with, as you said all these extra tools and abilities and things that kind of get added on or make it theoretically easier for the teachers and the students to share information with, and for the students also among themselves to share things. And uh, the, the goal is to, to make it easier for all that to happen. And, and to allow um, for more communication between students, supposedly. And it's basically a tech solution to education. It's an attempt to allow students to have more interaction with each other and with the teacher. But it just goes to show you that if you haven't taken a look at these things, it's hard to understand. So please go to the show notes and we'll have some, you know, we have the links for you and you can click on that and take a look. And it actually might be a situation where you might want to go to the links first, take a look and then come back to the podcast. Maybe that would be a good way to do it. Okay. So that's what learning management system is. And Moodle is, and we, here we go again, we have to explain open source. <laughs> it's a real <laughs> geeky thing. Basically, Moodle is a free learning management system that's available to anyone to use. And by open source, we simply mean that you can share the, the basic code, the programming, and you can adapt it, you can modify it, you can do whatever you want. And there's no corporate um, control, there are no fees involved unless you use a paying service. 
Mm. So Moodle is just one version of all these different learning management systems that are available. Many schools have their own learning management systems. I know that my school has one. I forget the name of it. Um, and other schools have theirs as well. So this is uh, what the theme of the show is, is an interview. Um, I'm interviewing, as I said, George Truscott and Bill White, who are Moodle users, and two people who really know how to use Moodle really well, and kind of exploring the issues and talking about how it might be useful. I'm just trying to think. Is Go ahead, Tony. And I was going to say, it's like, and at this point, you like, well, I'm never going to use Moodle. I don't, I don't care about it. It's like, well, you know, it's even if you're not, and even if you right now you think or you know that you're not going to use it, I think it's still worth listening to, to get like a, a sense of what's possible and what the potential is and where things are maybe going to go in the future. Um, because yeah, Char you're not going to use Moodle, Charles. <laughs> I'm not going to use still... Moodle, but that, that's kind of a spoiler. Well, neither We're of us talk about that Moodle, after. Right. right, exactly. So we'll talk about that after after the interview. Right, and I think also what you said, Tony, is a really good point. Is even if you're not interested in the tech aspect, even if you're not interested in Moodle, I think it's really interesting to just follow the discussion to see why there are yeah. advantages why you would or would not use it and how that fits in with how you view things and because you and i both have the same approach we like tech but we only use tech that is appropriate and works mm -hmm. and if right. a pencil and a piece of paper is the best solution we both go with that correct so whether or not you are interested in using moodle or you use moodle or not you might want to follow through because it's the discussion i think is kind of wide-ranging and really hits on some interesting points that would be helpful for anybody whether so. tech-oriented so. user or none okay so shall we get into it let's go okay all right so here we are We're with george truscott who's a full-time associate professor or full associate, associate professor. professor at what is now kindai university used to be known as Kinky University. University. Oh, everybody loved that, right? So I you guess bet. there was a reason they changed that. And Bill White. Bill, you're a part-time teacher at Kindai and, and part-time teacher at Hanan University. Okay. And we're gathered here today to talk about Moodle. <laughs> Moodle, the LMS, the Learning Management System. Both George and Bill, you guys really are proponents, I guess. Yes. Uh, big time. Big time. Evangelists. For, would you say that? Yes. yes. Okay. So we want to talk about that. Um, and just to get things out of the air, I used to use Moodle a long time ago, and I decided not to, and um, moved to just using a regular website. So we're just kind of going to banter back and forth and explore some things. But before we start, George, why don't you just give us like some a brief background introduction to yourself? Uh, I am uh, an associate professor here at Kindai. I work the part-time teaching uh, gig at many, many universities. Probably I taught at six or seven universities um, and uh, landed a full time job in 2007. Yeah, it's a while ago. So I was very lucky, very happy. Okay. And Bill? Um, I'm still part time. I've been part time doing the university gigs now for ooh, close to 15 years. Um, I'm now currently only at two universities, but I've worked at close to about 10 universities in the Kansai area. 
And you're both language teachers, right? That's yes. The area. yes and how did you get into that? Or how did you end up becoming a... Uh, I was working in a bank in California and hated it. And uh, Where in California? In Oakland. Oakland, East Bay. Okay. <clears throat> and I, um, I, I'm a graduate of UC Berkeley and I went to the uh, placement center and a woman there said, you'd be perfect to teach in Japan. And I had no clue what she was talking about. But at that time, Sony had a, a language labs and they recruited teachers from West Coast schools. And I went through the interview process and I got a job there. And what year was this? This was in 1984. So you came to Japan in 1984, during the bubble years. And there was money everywhere. It was, it was great. Because I was a poor, struggling uh, employee of Wells Fargo. And all of a sudden I had free time and some extra cash. And I was in an exciting new country. I didn't know much about Japan. But so I came you came here, here blind? Basically. Pretty much, yeah. Wow. And then uh, after a couple of years, met my wife. We went back to the States for a while, but we did better here. And so we came back. And I started working at Sony again. But the writing was on the wall that the bubble had burst. And so I went back to school, got my graduate degree. Which is where we met, right? Yeah. At Apple. And then um, started working at universities. And loved it. Still love it. Okay. And so you've been working in universities then for how many years? Since uh, 1998. Okay, well, so basically <laughs> 18 years. <clears throat> okay. Bill, how about yourself? Um, actually, I came a different route than most people here. Um, my wife and I were married in the States. My wife's Japanese. And both of us, I was working for a restaurant chain as an assistant dining room manager. Um, my wife had just finished up her degree and she didn't have the proper visa to stay at the time we were just married. And she said, how about you come to Japan for a year? And okay, I didn't really enjoy my job as a restaurant manager. But I said, okay, I'll go. And I said, but what can I do? Said, well, you can teach English. I was like, okay, I don't have blind, any training in this. I, I don't have any training in this, but okay. Well, what's Sounds what? like a familiar story, doesn't <laughs> it? I don't have any training in this or anything. And so That's I me came too, and I started working at a four-letter um, company. They were a small company at the time, and they became bigger and bigger, and many people may know Nova. So I worked for them for about eight years, two years, teacher, two years head teacher, four years part-time. And I had, we had started our own language school in Osaka. And we did that for about close to 10 years and sold that. Then I did various jobs. I actually worked in a udon restaurant for two years. I worked in a, a internet startup in Kobe for a year. And there wasn't much happening, so I decided, well, I should go back to teaching. And so I started back, and then, like George, the writing on the wall. So I went and did my graduate degree online while I was teaching, and then... And here you here, are. Here I am. <laughs> okay. All right. So let's get into it. Moodle. What's Moodle? It's a terrible sounding word, actually. <laughs> Moodle, noodle. What is Moodle? 
basically. If somebody says, hey, what's Moodle? I think of it as a place that you can keep all of your teaching material in one location and quizzes, homeworks, and material that you may not use, and you just keep it. It's like a locker room for me. Okay, that's a really abstract explanation of that, but okay. But if somebody said, I have no idea what this thing Moodle is, George, what, what would you, how would you describe it to somebody um, who has absolutely no idea? If you've ever done any kind of online university or online coursework, uh, Moodle is similar to that kind of thing where you can access materials, videos, uh, you can learn, uh, teachers can put things up for their students on Moodle and students can access it. So in a way, as Bill said, it's a kind of uh, Online storehouse. storehouse. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> yeah. So it's a place where teachers can put their materials, put things up, students can download the assignments. They can upload the assignments, right? Yes, they can. Okay, what else does it do? I mean, does it, what other bells and whistles? What else can it do? Can it sing? Can it dance? Can it? Well, I mean, you can use it to have, keep quizzes. Um, I often use it for my students to practice a lot online by they have listening exercises that to listen and then fill out. So you're yeah. uploading, you put on the listening exercises Sizes. onto Moodle and then students go to the Moodle, Moodle site. So it's just like a website, right? Yeah. They click here, click there, yeah. and suddenly the, or they use their phone, phone. and tap, yeah. and there they are. And so they can do practice, they can do listening exercises. exercises mm -hmm. um, close exercises. You can also run like short little quizzes on it. Okay. And again, they can do it on their phone which is what I find to be the best for most okay. of these kids. All right. So Moodle's an example of an LMS. Correct. Yes. Right. Learning management okay. system. And there are others. Sure. Right? What are the other big ones that you guys know about that, for example, that Moodle is? Blackboard. Blackboard, which is a paid. There's, a, there's one online called Ed, Edmodo. Edmodo, right. And that's a, that's a freebie. Okay. And uh, I've played around with a little bit. Um, I just find Moodle to be more powerful and have more bells and whistles, so it suits my um, my teaching a little bit better. Okay. And by the way, before we go on, Moodle is free. Correct. If you have a dedicated website that you can download it onto. Okay. Some kind of hosting service. <laughs> so in other words, if you're going to do this by yourself, so we're going to get into this in a few minutes, but... Most of it is pretty much free. The actual software, the application itself is free, but then we get into a whole thing called web hosting and other technical things for the non-tech people in our listening audience, so we'll explain that. So one thing is Edmundo, I think there's also, you said Blackboard, but Blackboard is real kind of money, kind of expensive, yes, so an yeah. individual teacher would not afford that. No. Um, Canvas, right? Yes. yes. Similar to Edmundo, right? Yeah, I think so. Um, Schoology, schoology. Schoology. Is it schoology? Because I, I read it, it looks like schoology, but I think it might be schoology. Never schoology. used it, but I know of it. I okay. I used to know a lot about them, but as I got invested in Moodle, I really stopped looking at a lot of them because. Okay. All right. And, and we even have uh, Google Classroom and things like that, that. Yeah. and that's um that's used a lot of universities, and it's very simple and easy to use. And, um, for the teacher, for the students, or just for to everybody? put to put things up there. It doesn't have uh, like the quiz modules and things. At least I don't know of that. It's a way to post documents. Well, you for the for quiz students module to use. on Google Classroom is more part of their forms. 
and then okay. you make the quiz, and then you can store it okay. in there. But we'll get into the quiz modules a little bit later, because I'm trying to see, make sure that we can get you know people who aren't familiar with this you know to follow along, and otherwise we're jumping into modules and okay. things. So there are other systems, and I think you've tried some or looked at some, but you've come back to Moodle, or right. you continue to use Moodle. Okay. Um, so one question would be, uh, for example, I run my own website. And when I was talking with Tony, Tony also runs his own website, and we both don't use Moodle. Mm -hmm. um, what can I do with Google, or not Google, with Moodle? It's too many ulls. Google, Moodle, doo -doo 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 -doo. <laughs> What can a teacher do with Moodle, let's say, that they couldn't do with the regular website? And we're talking about an average, reasonably okay, you know, tech-savvy person, somebody who can use spreadsheets, for example, understands what we mean by, you know, web hosting, et cetera. Why would somebody bother doing Moodle versus using website? What advantages are there? Uh, the one thing that I like to do, and I, and I don't know if, uh, if you have a regular website, whether you can do this or not, but what I like to do is I like to post assignments on, on my Moodle site and then have students respond to it through some kind of writing activity that they um, that they do through my Moodle site, or maybe even answer some simple comprehension questions. Uh, these are the things that I like to do using Moodle. And as a teacher, I don't really have to gather papers. I don't have to do a lot of correcting because the answers are very discrete, clear answers, um, so that they're either right or wrong. And the students can, for example, multiple choice or matching or things like that. Um, and I found that a lot of textbooks have workbooks, but my students were coming to class and looking at each other's workbooks and copying answers prior to coming to class in the first 10 minutes or so. That's much more difficult with um, an LMS. But again, why Moodle? That's a very good question. I don't really have a great answer for that. But the reason you'd be using an LMS, so what you're saying is, for example, so you put, let's say, some questions up on, you put an assignment up and you want to ask some questions. So Moodle has a way that there's a question asking and it, the student can, there's a question, the student types in or taps in an answer, submits the answer, and then there's immediate feedback. Correct. So similar to a Google Form, for example, you could set up Google Forms yeah. or um, Socrative does that. Yeah. But this is all built in, right? That's some, I think, maybe one of the big arguments people use for Moodle usually. It's just, it's a package. Whereas maybe, for example, someone like myself is using separate, you know, pieces to do different things. I use Google Forms for one thing, I use Socrata for another, but I can do pretty much what most people do. So, but you can do everything on Moodle. So one great thing for Moodle is basically you can check their understanding. You can give them a quiz, an online quiz, right? Correct. But, I, but I, you well, said one, of the, one of the things that I'm interested in doing too now, Charles, is that, and probably like any good teacher now, that you realize that the classroom, the teacher front of classroom is dead. And you have to get students to use English and do things using English. And you have to have a delivery system for these tasks and activities. I want it to be interesting. So I use authentic materials, TED Talks and um, videos that I find on YouTube and I want to just challenge my students to think and respond 
using English. That's one of the main goals that I have with English, is just getting them to be challenged and interested in doing things where English is the medium where uh, you know, the, the language or the ideas are being exchanged. And I don't want to do paper stuff anymore, um, because that takes a lot of my time to prepare that. Um, and it's just easier if I can just put it on my Moodle site and say, go there and do it. And there's accountability. And uh, from what I've found so far, my students find it pretty interesting. How do, how, how do you know that? I mean, when you say that, have you, have you surveyed them on that? Give them questionnaires, yeah, I've, or I've is that more them, informally? Yeah, it's, um, I haven't done any kind of formal, but I've asked them, do you like this? Would you, do you prefer the Japanese counterparts way of teaching, which is paper handouts, lots of vocabulary, the traditional way of teaching English that hasn't changed in you know, okay. a millennium, <laughs> or my way? And they're, they're like, oh, this is much more interesting. It's challenging. It's interesting. Okay. We're asked to think. But that might be... You might be conflating here, right? That might be just your ability to you know, go into a classroom, do a student-centered classroom, engage your students, get them to think. And you could do that without Moodle, don't you think? Probably. And do you think they probably have the same response? So, but you find that you're able to use Moodle to move that forward, to enhance that, it supports you. Yeah, but I, I'm getting like a materials database, and I can keep adding stuff to my Moodle site, and I keep increasing the number of things that I have and each year I'm adding to it, and it's not like a file, it, it, in a way it's like a, it's like a digital file cabinet, but everything's there and accessible. And I can find things that I think, ah, oh, this class might be interested in this, um, open that site up, show it to my students, because I hide everything so they can't see it originally, show it to my students and say, let's, let's try this for homework or do this for, for class. Okay. I mean, touching on that, um, First, I use it, one is for accountability. Um, By the way, what do you guys mean by accountability? Well, the students, when you give homework, like you said, often they'll just look at someone's book and write the answers. You may not see them do it, so you don't know if they've actually attempted it on their own or if they just said, oh, I got the homework tonight, tomorrow, okay, and they write it. So if it's on Moodle, you can see when they did it, how long it took them to do it. So if you're looking for kids who are cheating and you have a listening exercise that, say, is two minutes long and they answer all the questions in 15 seconds, then okay. you know. How do you know you don't have two students sitting next to each other with their phones? Oh, you don't. And, and again, it's not foolproof. I agree with that. Yeah. I, I don't have a problem with that because actually I think that's fine. Yes. If the students aren't copying, Yeah. right? And so, by the way, it's one thing maybe for people don't understand is that what happens is you can set it for one question appears, right? The student submits the answer and then the correct answer, it's marked and the correct answer appears and then they see the next question. So they're not seeing like 10 questions in a row so two students can sit there together, right? And you can scramble the questions, you can scramble the answers. Um, so even if, I'm just sorry to interrupt here, but this is, I think it's an important point because sure. people who aren't using these systems might think, ah, students can cheat. But if you have two students actually sitting there with their phones, actually discussing the question, it's learning. Yes, sure. It, it's, so in that sense, it's, it's almost like even if they do attempt to cheat, there's still going to be learning that's occurring because 
they have to look at the answers and talk and share. They're just not copying. It yes. was, okay. I think one huge advantage of using an LMS such as Moodle, though, is that if you're a part-time teacher, and I'm not, I, I don't have a lot of classes. I teach seven to eight classes a semester. But if you're a part-time teacher and you're teaching 15, 20 classes a week, um, to have any kind of homework assessment, homework grade, that means probably you're either checking in class, you're recording scores. Um, Moodle does all this automatically for you, and an LMS does this automatically for you. So at the end of the semester, you just go to your grade book online and uh, print it out, and you get an Excel sheet full of, full of homework grades, and you can, you can sort of assess were students interacting with the homework? Were they, were they doing the tasks that you asked them to do? Um, so I think it simplifies uh, a lot of things for the teachers. It automates teaching to a degree. So in other words, you set up the, the assignment, whether it's a quiz or a homework assignment, mm -hmm. for example, or a test, and let's say you can set multiple choice answers or one or two or multiple word answers, right? And then the students get checked and Moodle automatically will check the test for you or the quiz or the homework and then grade it depending on how you set that up, right? It has a grading program that you can, or option there. It's grade books. It keeps a grade book and then you just ask for the grade and boom, there's your student's grade and you just type that number in if you wanted into your final grade for when the school asks you to submit it and you're done, right? That's it. Yep. So what you're basically saying is that for a t there's no <laughs> for a teacher this is an unbelievable time saver. Correct. Absolutely. In the long run. Uh, in the long run. I mean the the initial setup, but still if you're making paper tests you're still spending a lot of time. Okay. Let's, let's try to see if we can make this concrete. So let's take let's take someone who starting out they're going to get Moodle somehow they're going to set it up to be able to. How much time are they going to have to put into kind of develop a minimal amount of expertise so that in the long run it's worth it? Because you know that's what happens, right? You know, you do something for like you know an hour, a couple of hours. You try it, maybe you try it for two days or three days, and after four days you just go, "Listen, this is just too much work. I'm not going to do it," which is a very common thing. So, how long do you think you'll, it would you'll take? You'll throw in the towel with Moodle if that's how you feel about it. What you need to do is be be willing to invest lots of time. Can you give me an idea what you mean by lots of time? Uh, I went to, uh, I read several books on Moodle. I watched videos from YouTube on how to do things. Um, I went to Moodle conferences, Moodle moots, and uh, I created my own dedicated Moodle site and probably didn't use it with my classes for a year or two until after that. So you're saying you really took like a year or more to Probably actually two get years. up and running? Two years. Because there were questions that I had that I couldn't answer. And uh, there were too many bells and whistles with Moodle. And it took me a while to get comfortable with it. Okay, but would you describe yourself as somebody who really likes to get mastery of something before they use it? Or are you somebody who will just jump in and try something? I was afraid to use it with my students because I'd lose face if it didn't work well. So I wanted to make sure that I was that what I was doing was solid. Yeah. Um, if it wasn't, I wasn't willing to take the risk because I knew I could do things with paper and pencil. Um, it just it just didn't interest me though. And I, and as a 
as somebody who was dedicating my life to the profession of teaching, I sort of thought, well, this is sort of interesting. I'm fascinated by this system. Um, and I spent many, many hours figuring it out. Okay, so let's just, again, just to give the audience a sense, on a scale of zero to 10, zero being totally non-geeky and 10 being super geek. Where do I fit in? Where do you, what number would you put yourself at? I'm a 3.5 or a 4. Okay, so really don't care that much about tech and don't want to bother it, and in your free time you would not bother playing with a computer. Uh, no, I'm, actually I'm better, I'm, if you put it that way, I'm probably a 6. Okay. Well, let me add. <laughs> because I have, I have, I have yeah. learned a yeah. lot about computing, okay. and, I'm, and I'm not, um, you know, I'm fascinated okay. by technology. Okay, let's test you. Do you understand what a kernel, what kernel panic is? No. Okay. Yes. Bill, understand. Bill, where would you rate yourself as a, as a geek? As a geek, I would go with nine, just because I'm not a programmer. Okay. All right. So I'm just trying to, again, help people get a sense. So, George, you took about, you said, what, you took about a year and a half to two years, really, to feel sure. comfortable. You piloted a little bit, tried it out a little bit. No, until... I would go to conferences and I'd think, wow, this is really amazing, what they're doing. And then my first exposure to using Moodle was the, um, the Moodle Reader. And I'm into extensive reading. That's one of my big research areas. And... I wanted students to do a lot of reading, but how do I know that they're doing the reading and how, how do I know that this is working? And a gentleman from Kyoto Sangyo University, Tom Robb, Tom Robb, created this Moodle program and put book quizzes on there. And by using that, I sort of got a feeling for the power of Moodle and what I could do with it. And um, before we get to Bill on this, because this is something that people really need to know, is that the Moodle community itself, Moodle users, everybody's sharing, everybody's putting things up, so there's unbelievable resources, so there's no reason to reinvent the wheel. That's right. So if you can figure out how to use Moodle, what you're basically saying, right, is that all of a sudden there's all these resources available to you, readers and lessons and quizzes and tests and everything that you can just use and access and voila, you know, you wake up in the morning and you realize, whoa. I didn't, I didn't remember to prepare. Okay, so let's go to Bill for a second. So Bill, what do you think? How long did it take you to get up and running with Moodle? Um, I initially started with Moodle back when it was like version 1.4, where you actually had to install it yourself by a command line on a server. Okay, so Bill is qualifying his geekdom here, okay. his geekiness here with command um, line. Nerd. Nerd. Yes. Geek, no, now, geek. Geek. geek yeah. Nerd is different, right? I guess so, There's, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's actually been an interesting question about yes. the evolution of yes. how geek and nerd have developed. Okay. Yeah. But, um, that was just... He in high school. <laughs> you didn't? He did. Did you? <laughs> no. But I, I, knew how to use it. I knew how to use a slide rule and I liked it. Okay, wait, did, you have pen, did you have a pen protector? I had a pen protector. My, dad, a pen? No. Okay. My dad was an engineer. Okay, I, I had a slide rule but never the pen protector. I had both because my dad was an engineer. So when I learned how to use a slide rule, I was fascinated by that, thinking, wow, that's, a, that's an amazing thing that some human being or human beings invented. I was really impressed by it. Have you ever seen the, uh, the old movies of the NASA guys sitting there with slide rules trying to figure out a re-entry trajectory with yes. a slide rule? Anyway, yes. okay, so going back. So you have qualified your <laughs> geekdom. George, you have proven that you are not a geek, and I am somewhere in between. So yeah. um, but the three yeah. musketeers But here, once here. I had it set up, um, I 
kind of decided, well, I'm going to do a lesson. So I would just make a lesson that normally would be on, I used to make websites and put things there. Or um, So initially I used it only in the class because I was in a computer lab back in 2006 or so. And so I, I was there watching the kids interact with it. And then I was there to be able to handle any glitches they had or I hope that the school would not have a problem with their internet. Um, so nowadays, though, I would say, personally, I know people who can, once they set up the Moodle site initially, they could start using just one unit of their class. They could get up and running in easily two months. Nowadays, with everybody on Facebook. Give, give me total hours. A total hours. Let's say it's summer vacation, it's spring break, right? Yeah. Teachers sitting around, they have really nothing to do, they if, have too much free time. They could do, you could actually have two to three lessons if you already have some material made and you just need to digitalize it. Now, I, I think most average people who can use Facebook um, do online ordering. I would say most people could learn it if they spent their summer. Or spring vacation, studying their entire summer or spring. Vacation. Well, yeah, that's the so, thing. Eight, okay, eight weeks. You're saying eight weeks. How many hours a day? Oh, at least four to six, somewhere between okay. four to six. So it, the basic point of it is, this is a commitment. It is a commitment. Yes, it's a real commitment. Sure. In other words, you're going to have to basically give up one vacation. Yeah, I've committed to get, myself for what, yeah, well, I, eleven, I, ten years. I've been. Committed. See, I wasn't willing to give up a vacation. That's come. It took me a year and a half to get. <laughs> Up and running. And that's what proves again geekdom again, right? <laughs> the, geek, go. the geek goes ahead yeah. and focuses yeah. and you wouldn't give up your life. So, okay, so let's just be really clear. So Moodle's a very powerful thing. It's a learning management system. It's powerful. It lets the teacher do many things. It lets students do many things. And in the long term, it almost could run itself, basically. You could... There are universities in Japan that, that have students learning first-year English through a Moodle site. They never, ever go to class. Okay. So, very impressive. But that, that takes a ton of work to put all that material up there for students to interact with. Right. So, you'd say then that, how long do you feel it took before you got your return on investment? So, um, a whole summer vacation, on and off for a year and a half, two years. When did you suddenly feel like, okay, that, that was worth it? Did you like wake up one morning and go, wow, I'm really glad I put in all that time? Or did you wake up and keep waking up and go, God, when I'm, this is it's not even worth it to me? Um, I actually had a two-year period where I didn't use Moodle at all. Um, I was having issues with internet. <laughs> having issues. <laughs> well, Maybe you don't school, want to go. You don't want to go that was at, The school that I was at, their internet was spotty at times plus the machines were old they wouldn't update them so trying to keep Moodle running was hard um, so that was around 2010 to 12 that I didn't use Moodle for really I, I used it like occasionally with a class if I knew but I was also running that out of the server out of my house okay. Okay. So, but I would have 30 kids, and it was being run on a little iMac. 
you know? So the gum, the, the gum drop or snowball, whatever they call those IMAX. The, the one, one that looked like the alien eggs? Yeah, that, that <laughs> one, you know, type thing. But what color um, was yours? <laughs> mine was Bondi Blue. Okay. Yeah, but um, I would say 2013, <laughs> when I went back, I woke up and I wasn't feeling my best. And I realized that, oh, shoot, I got this class coming up and we're starting a new unit and I didn't gather any material. That's when I realized, wait, I got Moodle. It's already there. And that's when you know that it, your time and investment has really helped you because amassing all that and then not feeling your best, waking up, knowing you have to go into work and you're like, oh, I didn't make copies. You don't need copies. It's all accessible right in front of them. So for me, that was probably 2013. The other thing I'd just like to say, Charles, is that we've all heard of teacher burnout, of teachers just saying, you know, you do the same thing year after year, you use the same textbook, you have the same tricks up your sleeve, and that affects everybody. But when you adopt something like Moodle, and you're actually learning something new yourself, all of a sudden the classroom becomes very exciting again. So for me, it wasn't, part of it was giving, you know, a delivery system for my students, but another big part of it was, I'm doing this for me. I want something to make my teaching interesting for me. I wanna, I wanna try to make it exciting for me. And um, that was a key part. So when I would go to these Moodle conferences and I'd see what, teachers were doing, um, I was wowed by some of the things that they were doing and I was thinking, wow, these people are, are sort of experimenting, they're pushing the envelope. And uh, I think a lot of teachers, uh, even very, very good teachers, have the same kind of thing that they do year after year after year. It's very successful, but it may not be very stimulating or exciting for themselves. So using Moodle helped me do something new and exciting for me. Just trying something new. So that just kind of energized you, gave you some inspiration. And I'm and, and it's a kind of experimentation. Okay. You know, it's like when you buy a new computer and you learn all the bells and whistles of the new computer. Geek. Geek. <laughs> He's starting to become geek again. Yeah, what I'm concerned with is the person who doesn't like computers, who uses computers because they have to wondering about those people. Because if you talk to like Bill or yourself or me, I think, you know, exactly that. You know, ah, it's a new computer. I wonder what it can do. I wonder what it has. I want to go into the settings. You give a computer, for example, to my wife, Izumi, and Izumi is just like, it's fine. Where's the email program? Or, but no, no, just like, you know, it's like you could probably, a new, new computer would, could, if you bought a new computer, I'm sure she would take a week to open it, to unbox it. Whereas with me, you know, it's like, I'm waiting for I'm it. not sleeping. Amazon, I'm, Amazon, I'm, you know, you're I, I know, I know better, I know better too, you know, that you open the box on a Friday night yeah. because I'm not sleeping that day. So, well, it's certainly, it's certainly not for everyone. Okay. Yeah. People who um, don't like technology, um, they should look for their creativity and their, their ways without using a computer, of course. And, and, and there's some people, we have, a, we have a workshop here at this university, and we have people who come and say, well, this is hard. I can do this without Moodle. 
and the argument. I can do this with paper. I can, my students can do this with paper and pen, and I sure. can do it with less effort yes. and less work. Okay. But somebody who has minimal technical skills, right? But says, looks at it, and says, "Wait a second. You know, I wouldn't mind having an automatic grading system, right? Um, I wouldn't mind having online quizzes, which are actually once you really commit to that, it doesn't take long, especially Google Forms. I think it takes a couple of hours, an evening, let's say, to really kind of figure it out and play with it. What would somebody like that? What would be the things that they should use in Moodle?" get started right away? What would be easy ways to use Moodle so people could get familiar and actually see some benefits of using either Moodle or Edmondo or Schoology? And Well, I mean, the one problem that George had pointed out was Moodle has a lot. And so people get, when they see it, they're like, well, there's too much stuff here. So a lot of people are very nervous, like, oh, um, what I usually do you for can't people. see those hand gestures. Yeah, I, I'm sorry. On yeah. the radio. Yeah, yeah. Bill's, Bill's waving his arms like. And it's I'm not, it's the not radio, by the way. And I'm it's sorry. a podcast. <laughs> We're dating. Okay, you, I told you I'm not a yeah, yeah, okay. okay. Do you remember Robbie the Robot? Yeah. There you go. Okay. But, anyways, what Danger, else? Will Robinson. <laughs> danger. <laughs> now you need the hand movements. But. Um, things, simple things, I usually go in and I shut off a lot of the bells and whistles. I say, okay, start with just posting like Word documents or PDF documents for your students to see. Um, that's the first step because if they're afraid of technology, having them make a quiz online could be daunting for some of these people. But I'm not talking about people who are scared of technology. I'm just talking about somebody who gets on and goes, oh man, this is just, a, this is a mess. I don't even know where to start looking at it. Okay. Well, then, and that's a very common yeah. response. Well, in fact, if you talk to Tony, who's you know a pretty geeky guy, adept at computers, you know, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, he's the guy I go to for, for Mac questions, and everybody comes to me for Mac mm -hmm. questions. Tony's very much against it because he's very sensitive to UI you know, the user interface and the user experience, and he thinks Moodle's just a mess. And that's one of the reasons why I think he doesn't use it. So, but I'm just talking about, somebody says, okay, you know, I can really, I understand, I'm listening to the benefits, I got it, okay. I wanna go in. So, what the first thing you would do is somehow would be, you would turn things off, did you say? Um, yeah, you don't have to have all the bells and whistles on. It's, it's just, you have to go in there and just say, okay. There I, are settings. Yes, so you'd go to settings. some settings and you I would, want the quiz module, I want the, Homework module, module and, and I want uh, the blah blah module. Blah, blah, yeah, and, and everything else turn it and on. And then all of a sudden you have this very white spaced, easy to navigate yeah. interface. Yeah. You so agree with you, that? Yeah. So when okay. you click another, the thing, another thing that I saw when I went to a, a, a Moodle MOOC was a guy said, forget having lots of English in there where, where students are clicking English. You want to have buttons where students click like a website. And he spent um, a 30-minute presentation showing how to do that, and I sort of thought, ah, that kind of design is really slick. Um, but but it takes time. I think the the best thing, one of the best things that I think Moodle offers is forms for writing, um, because students typically write in the classroom, and in the in the old style classroom, the teacher is the audience. The teacher collects all the papers and reads and marks them. 
I like the forms because students, you, you give an assignment, you give specific instructions of how much you want students to write. They post it up there. Everybody posts one idea, and then you say, find two or three ideas and respond to them. And so students are actually interacting with other okay. students and writing. And I think, I think the writing aspect of Moodle is spectacular, of any LMS. So let's back that up for a second so people understand again. Um, that you set up an activity, a writing activity, mm -hmm. let's say, right? And so there's a little window or something, somebody can type an answer and then they click a button that says, upload, submit my writing. Yes. And you have a class of, let's say, 20 students, if you're lucky, right? <laughs> and 20 students upload, and you're saying that all that writing is visible to the other students. Correct. Yeah. And this reminds me, by the way, one of the real important things about Moodle is that only the people in the class can see it. Yes, it's got privacy. It's That's really, correct. really private. It's not like posting something on a website where everybody has access. In, so in that's an way, important in thing. In this way, it's very much like Facebook, where okay. you somebody posts something and you can hit comment on okay. Facebook and you can you can respond to that. Okay. Um, so this is the kind of idea that you're doing, but you're using their second language. Okay. So they post up and then everybody can read it and then they can make comments and okay. So that's a real positive thing for writing. It's really, really good that way. Okay. And we're about to be joined by one of the luminaries of the Kansai area, Kim Canal. You hear the door sliding or closing, and Kim, welcome, Kim. Hello. Kim's already been on the show, interviewed by Tony Silva, I think, for episode 70-something, if I'm correct. No, no, I'm only 67. No, the episode, though, I know. right? Yes, I know. I was just riffing on that. Yeah. I've been with these two serious guys, and most of the time they don't want to run with any jokes or anything. So, Kim, um, just to, you know, quickly, we're talking about Moodle and how it can be used, and you're somebody who doesn't use Moodle, even though you go to workshops and you watch and listen. So, just feel free to add in. We're talking sure. about um, using it for writing, so students can submit their writing and then other students can read it. And they can give feedback and... Yeah, the audience is other students. And of course, you could do this in the classroom. You could have students write stuff and you could exchange papers and have them turn it over and respond to it. Um, but all the papers are there for the, or all the, all the posts are there for the instructor to see. You can quickly read through them. You can see what's a good post and what's a not so good post. You can, you can help those students who um, are having trouble. Um, and it's just, it just automates the writing process and it gets, used, it gets students to use um, a computer keyboard or they can use their cell phone but hopefully they're using a computer and that helps on mechanics and spelling and things like that. Can I clarify something? Are you doing this in the classroom or are you having this as an assignment for homework? I do it for homework Okay, that's because, right. because the university here in the building that I work in has very poor technology. And we don't really have, I, I could get a computer classroom, but we don't have them yet. These, uh, these comments that they make, uh, I, I used to do journals. You can call them kolkan niki, so they would exchange journals. You'd write a journal, and then uh, I would distribute them to everybody. This is the old days, very low tech. And then they would have to read the entries for that particular week, <coughs> make comments on that, and then they would be given back in fact, in fact I, I believe I did it both anonymously and unanonymously. Uh, and so when they, is, does everybody have access to these, these 
their journal, I guess you'd call them journal entries of some sort, right? What are they writing about? Whatever topics you select for okay. them. Yeah. So it can be a response to a video that they see, it can be a topic, it can be student life, it can be relationships, whatever whatever you think your students might want to write about. Oh, so, but you, you give them the topic. You can, or you, you can, can say a free topic. But really key here is that they're at home, they're out of the classroom, and they're working on it, and they're still able to communicate and interact with other students in the class. Correct. So that has like a lot of benefit. Okay. So you can do that. What else can you do without having to get too deep into Moodle? Let's say I want to just, okay, I don't, I'm not willing to put in two months. I want to spend a week or at the most. And I want to, I like this idea that I can save time. I can get my things graded. I can get my quizzes done, my homework done because I'm the laziest human being on earth, and the less I have to do, the happier I am. Yes, Bill, we can get into this kind of competition as to who's lazier, but I'm not willing to make the effort. <laughs> I just pointed to myself, I didn't speak about it. I'm but what would, what, would you, what would you do? I mean, what are the best, simple, easy things that somebody could do without, again, committing a lot of time? Again, I, the, quiz, the quiz function is the, probably the most useful one to learn in okay. the beginning. Why would I do that and not use something like Google Forms or, let's say, Socrative, which is a, a pretty easy-to-use online kind of question um, thing like okay. that? One of the things is that Moodle has, it's called the question bank. So as you add questions, it keeps them. So if you have questions on a certain topic or certain target structure, whatever you're teaching, as you add more, you can have the Moodle pull out just five questions from that bank. So it's, it's not the same one. So I'll have five questions, and then the next student has five different questions, and it's all based on them. It's, you know, it's the whole idea that as you do more, you have more there to play with. Okay. Um, so that part I like. Let me ask you a question about that, because that, that leads to a really interesting thing. So let's say you, you make a quiz with 10 questions this week, and then you make a quiz with 10 questions the next week, and so you're saying the question bank is now 20 questions. Yes. Now my third week, I give a quiz again of 10 questions. Can I have Moodle randomly choose from the previous 20 questions? Yes. So in other words, you have, can have built-in review, review in to the material, so you're constantly recycling and recirculating the material for the students. Yes. So in my opinion, you just sold me. That alone is worth it. Yeah. Now, I don't know if anything else offers it, but what that means is that easily your students are automatically getting review, it's randomized, there's no extra effort by the teacher, and so by the end of the year the students are getting a 10-question quiz again every week, but Moodle is able to go back and pull out randomly questions from the previous quizzes. Yeah. That seems it's, really it's wonderful. It's for vocabulary learning. Okay. Okay, so let's, okay. that's easy for other people. You probably talked about this while he's not here, but uh, how would you incorporate um, oral production? Okay, let me come back to that okay. in just a minute, but because I want to run George with what you said, because vocabulary, because that's one of the areas. Well, that one, I'm of the, interested one of the in. teachers at Kindai did his PhD work on on vocabulary learning, and you know we know that we we need to teach the words that are high frequency that we use a lot. And Thank so, you, Paul. <laughs> yes, and so 
What I've done is I've taken the quizzes that he's made and I've digitalized them. And so what happens is there's a glossary. I, uh, I've taken all this from this teacher. Um, there's a glossary that he's, he's made and I've put it on my Moodle site. And each week, students study one page of the glossary and they get a random sampling of 10 to 15 questions of the 20. And they're used in uh, various forms. The questions are scrambled, the answers are scrambled, and each week they've got a vocabulary quiz. So basically all you're doing is clicking a, a, like a button here, a button there, or a checkbox, 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 and... A, B, C, D, answer. So but, you, but you have to put the distractors in. Yes. Multiple choice. But once you've done that... The work, the, setting it up is work. But once you've done it, it's 10 to 15 minutes of class where students are held accountable for vocabulary learning. And again, you could do this with paper and pencil, but then you're going to have to exchange papers and have them correct it. You might have to collect it and record the scores in a grade book. Um, this is all automated for you. Okay. The other thing, the other thing that I've done, and you just mentioned Paul Nation. On Paul Nation, he's a he's a Paul's the best. <laughs> yeah. He's a he's a guy that says it's on my website and take it for free. I took his speed reading right. passages that are free that were made, I think, by his graduate students. That's and good, Paul saying take my graduate <laughs> students stuff well, and all um, He put them on his website and I and I took the speed readings and I made a PDF of each speed reading. And I took the questions and I made a quiz question of it. So each week we do speed reading. And uh, I don't have to worry about paper. I don't have to worry about answering questions. It's speedy, it's fast, it's quick. Um, these are activities, students are interacting with English every week and I'm not teacher fronting anything really. Okay. So again, I wanna just go back to this because I think this is really valuable. We, with something like vocabulary where we know repetition, repeating, memory curve, forgetting, right, and reviewing and constantly going over things and then, you know, changing them and really playing with them and extending. But let's say you're just looking at learning new words, high frequency words. And so what you're saying is that you can set up a quiz, let's say a list of 50 words that, or 25 words you want your students to learn, and then you can set it up on Moodle so that they have to, if you have your class on Monday, that they have to go online Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and do a quick quiz. Can you set that up? Sure. And it's automatic, and if they don't do it, it shows up. If they do it, it shows up. You get the scores, you watch the practice. Yes. So in other words, you can ensure that students are actually doing work. Yes. Wow. Seems yeah. like a big advantage. When you download an Excel worksheet from any assignment, it lists the, the student's ID, when they logged in, or when they started whatever assignment, and when they submitted it. It gives you timestamps. Even gives IP addresses if you're really geek. 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 But you know, but you, you can you're required to shout out geek anytime Bill says anything yeah. geeky. Uh, think but it's it, like but it, it also it's helps. It's an IP see, address. <laughs> you know, you can sometimes also if you're using it in class and someone's not in the classroom, but they still partake in some assignment, you can actually see that, wait, all these students have this same number, this student has a different number. So how did they do that? Right. 
So it allows you to track, it lets you see things. See, what I'm taking from this is that the real advantage of the system is that we can get students to put in that 15 minutes every day. Absolutely. We can yes. get them to have sure. distributed learning, which yes. again we know is an essential requirement of learning, rather than, uh-oh, the quiz is in 15 minutes, I think I'd better study. So the Moodle offers the teacher a lot on the for getting students to be involved outside of a class. Now I want to return, Kim, to your question, which is oral Oral production. Production. And, is, yeah, oral production. And I had some other things. Yeah, what, yeah. So your question is kind of how can you use Moodle for. Yeah, can oral, you? Can you? So are there. Um, yes, there are modules that you can have that. A module's an add on, right? Add on, yeah. So it's just kind of. You like know, well, before the checkbox, okay, now you want to have something that kids can record, the, record their voice. You click that, now it's an option. You go in, and again, Robbie, the robot hands here. Sorry. Um, you select an activity or an activity and it has a, a recording function. So then you can put up a question or you could put in an audio file of your own voice and students listen and then you could ask them a question of, okay, uh, in what year did Thomas Jefferson sign the Declaration of Independence? And then they have to say it, record it, and it could keep that. that will not be graded by Moodle, unfortunately, because they can't grade the audio. Yeah, be, yeah I'd be buying it. <laughs> so so what, what my... Uh, so yes, I'm, I'm, kind of, I'm kind of the uh, devil's advocate yeah. over here, right? Because I have issues with the whole concept. You have issues too? We got two what guys I call, with issues here. What I call, George, do you have issues? It's called, issues. You call it learner management system, right? Yes. Yeah. I call it student processing system. And I have a little bit of an... Uh, it, it could be an old guy thing, but... It seems like there are definitely classes like either LL things that, that you're doing, language laboratory things, especially vocabulary, quizzes, and reading. I think it's great for that if you are teaching those classes. But sometimes I think that you take other classes that are not necessarily aimed at reading and vocabulary and writing, but they are for oral, actual oral communication where students are trying to use the language in a in conversational. And because this is once you get it set up, like you say, it's easy. And if you got 300 students a week, which most of the part-time teachers anyway do, you need to process these students. And I think the danger comes in in trying to find things that you can do the processing rather than trying to find activities that will actually pique their interest in the process so they'll do it themselves. And again, that's I don't know how I can answer if that's a question, but that's my, if any, objections to teachers using this as just a way to Make sure that the students are getting all the stuff that they are getting, but maybe neglecting some of the other stuff that they need because you can't put, plug it in. Okay. Can I just um, jump in here first? No, you may not. Yeah, you may not. Moving on. <laughs> um, <laughs> the most uh, recent score from the USC UCLA. Uh, again, I, I use this mostly as an outside class tool. So I'm using it mostly to give them the information they need so when they're in class, we're spending time talking in class. I don't want to be standing in the front of the room, okay, children, open your page, your book to page 48, now listen to the cassette. They can do all that on their own at home. And as I said before, we can verify they did it. With the distributing things, like you're talking distributing the, the information, that's a good way to get them to do it do rather it. than have to yeah. do it at the last minute. I and so then I spend more time in classroom with the actual oral 
production, communicating, having discussions with their classmates and the teacher or things like that. One, one thing I've done, Bill, I teach presentation classes and we always want our students to practice at home. And we ask them, did you practice? And they say, you know, a little. Um, with, with something like Moodle, you could say, I want you to record your voice on your iPhone and upload it to uh, the Moodle site as a, it's a kind of check to see if students are doing it. Um, I've done that before, in fact I do that a lot, um, to get my students to make sure that they practice, that they're, with, that they're within the time frame and the parameters of the, of the presentation task. Um, and I think that if you, if you use it as part of their assessment and they know it, um, it's a good thing to get students to practice before they speak, to rehearse it, um, then they come to class and their presentations are significantly better for it. So it's the argument for the flipped classroom. Yes. I, that's what I treat it as. I treat it as a flipped classroom. So again, I could do that without Moodle. I could have that. Yes, you can. Um, so in this case then, there really isn't that much of an advantage. You know, when you say you can do it without Moodle, you can do anything without Moodle. The thing about Moodle that's great is that Moodle puts it all together. It's powerful. It has everything in there. And it's, it's an LMS, a learner management system that's made by educators for educators. And so they're, they're always, they're always um, devising new things that teachers can use. Um, plug-in modules for video, um, different kinds of assignments, different tasks that you might want to put together, ways that students can upload things for other students. Um, yeah, you can do this with other things, but once you get the basics of Moodle, it's all right there. You can do it all in Moodle. Yeah, that's the argument for it. I can do it with Google. Okay, I'll set up a Google form here, but okay, now I, I need to use Quizlet for something else here. I need to, you know, managing that as a teacher, as a part-time teacher, especially with 15 classes, trying to, okay, remember who's in what class. Whereas Moodle, I make one Moodle for 10 classes and then it separates them for me. I tell them these students are in this class and then they all see the same material if it's the same class, but I can just say, okay, I want to see students who are taking my Wednesday first period class. Boom. That's all I have to see. I don't have to see anybody else. And like George said, it's all there. You don't have to go here, then go there. And the best thing is it's yours, so nobody will say, oh, we're not going to offer that anymore. Click, and that website's gone. Okay. So, I, I'm there's lots of advantages to doing it. And I think the best analogy I can think of it is, is if somebody buys a computer and you say, you don't have to code on the computer. You don't have to dig it in. Just go ahead and start sending email. Or it's like picking up a phone. First time you pick up a smartphone, just use it to send a text message. And if that's all you do with it, fine. And then you go a little by little. So people can start using Moodle very simply. They don't have to make it 100% of their class. It might just be something that the students go to once a week. And maybe that's a good way to start, is to put one activity up and get it going. How long does it take for the students to learn the system, to get used to it? 
We've been talking about how long it takes for a teacher. So you get some new students in your class, it's April or it's October, for example. I have um, semester courses, which is terrible because after I get done training my students for my system, I get a new group. So Only semesters. They're semesters, yeah, at my, in my Not school. fake semesters like we have. No, no they're, yeah, students, they're real. Well, again, I teach in the Department of Science and Engineering, and they're pretty tech savvy. They, they come in with some knowledge of things. But I can get students learning how to use my site. Um, and this is the one thing that I might do with papers. I might have instructions like how to log in, um, where to go, and what you need to do. And that might be paper-based to start. And then uh, they have this, they can refer to it. I would say in two to three weeks, my students are up and running with it. And how much class time are you spending? 30 minutes. Three times? Maybe. So you're giving up one class out of a semester. But you have them for one year, correct? No, a semester. Okay, for so you you're basically... For 15 classes. You lose one class you same, out of 15. But you have the same students next semester. Yeah, that's what I mean. Okay. But even if you did, yeah. you're saying so one class distributed over three times is lost to that. Would you agree with that, Bill? Um, more or less. I'm in the sociology department, so I have some kids who are very tech savvy and other kids, yeah, um, outside of their cell phone, they don't know what a computer is. If they see a computer, they're like, but I usually can have them up and running. I, I use QR codes a lot, so it makes it easy for them. Because a lot of kids live on their cell phone, so they can do it through their cell phone. So I use that. But I would say I teach them, most of the time I can get everything, them running in an hour. I usually do about 30 minutes, two classes, and then they're on their own. I, I will say if you have an issue, go on YouTube how to something Moodle, and some kids do it. But, but the more you get, uh, the more capable you get with Moodle, the less time you need for student training, because you can design your site, and you can upload your students, and it's almost intuitive, I think, for students, as long as they know where to go, and they go to myname.com, and that's the website. And they write this in there on the inside cover of their textbook. They change their password to something that they know. And their username is their student number, which all the kids know. And they're up and running pretty fast. Just just to toss out a, a, a monkey. Monkey wrench? Is that the word? Toss a monkey. A monkey on my back? Works. Is it a monkey on the back? Or is it Let's go to tossing a monkey. <laughs> Put a wrench on the um, my university, for example, doesn't want student numbers going off campus. They're very sensitive about that, which I think is kind of absurd because there's really nothing you can do with student numbers. But that might be one potential problem. What about any technical problems? For example, I ask my students to submit homework and um, they have to, they click on a link and then they just drag or I have the upload, I use a system called Drop It To Me. I have an incredible difficult time getting my students just to name their file properly and make sure that it goes into Dropbox or whatever and it's all sorted properly. What about Moodle? I mean, if a student just drags in, they log in, they drag their homework in to upload their homework, is it automatically filed in a proper way and an easy to identify way and requires no work on the part of the student? Or will, can students 
as I would say, students, this is the only time students exhibit any creativity is when they are totally screwing my incredibly perfect system, screwing up my incredibly perfect well, Is when, Moodle foolproof that way? Well, foolproof to, to an extent. I mean, when a student uploads something, it's automatically uploaded with their name or username attached to it, so you know that it's from them. And it would be in a class kind of folder or it something. It would be yeah. in that specific assignment. Folder. So do your students, excuse me, do your students ever say, uh, I couldn't get on the, I couldn't get online. Right, that was going to be my next working. question. Uh, what should I do? Um, sure. And what do you do? Uh, sometimes I give them my phone. I say, we'll try it later. Um, they come to class and they don't have, uh, their, their phone isn't charged. These are technolo technological problems that happen all the time. Students, when you say bring your, you know, at other universities where I've worked, they've, they've been asked to bring their computers to work, uh, to school, and they say, I forgot my computer. And then what do you do? Um, these are the problems that we all have as teachers. But yeah. it's the same. Or I lost forget. my homework, my right. dog ate. Yeah, yeah. Right. or, well, students, I forgot my textbook. I mean, same thing, you know, that's always going right. to happen. Right, yeah. so somebody says to me, you know, Charles, show me a foolproof system and I'll show you a rock. <laughs> You're right. So, of course, things are going to have trouble. So that's one possibility. But are there any other um, problems or issues that people face initially? I mean, what about crashes, the system um, you're hosting? Because you have to have some place to put Moodle Moodles, some software, and you have to have hosting, which means you have to have somebody usually who you pay money to run the website, or the school might have Moodle. Are there free hosting? And what about problems with There's hosting a site the system that we, going down? That we've used in our in our workshop called Moodle Cloud, and it's a little clunky, but it'll give you it'll give. I mean, if somebody wants to try it out, you can go to Moodle Cloud, sign up for a free account, and I think you can use it with up to fifty students. And that's how you'd suggest people get started. And if you oh, don't yeah. use it, they keep telling you you haven't used it for three months, and then you keep complaining. Which is proof of how Moodle works. Which is proof. How much is They just want you to log in. Yeah. And, and interact with your site. Yeah. That's all you need to do. Yeah, yeah I do that every I keep couple it up of months just because I have my own, but I'm using that for our workshops. Yeah. Well, I'm just wondering, so there's really no, no crashes, no... There, there are. Uh, okay. I mean, for example, I'll, I'll give a quiz with a smartphone, and kids will say, my screen's broken. And... Uh, I'd say, okay, well, uh, you know, I take their phone and see if I can, you know, reload the page or move back or move forward. And if it doesn't work, then I say, okay, at the end of the class, um, I'll give you another chance at the activity or the quiz. Okay. I personally, I keep always two iPhone 4S's with me. So if students have issues with their phones crashing or not charged, I have mine. Also, I ran into a one issue in the science department where we had kids with Sony Aquos. It was a slightly older phone. The audio would never work with it. So those students, I was able to give them the old iPhones to use. But I've had that also where I just said, well, later on, can you borrow someone else's phone just to do that and log in? And that it sounds like the standard thing. For example, I always bring a wireless router with me, just in case the school system isn't working, and I make sure I have my phone and it has you know the personal hotspot to do that. So of course, naturally, there's going to be some technological issues. But again, you guys are sold on it. 
And you would say, so. you would even for somebody who's non-technically oriented, that the benefits for you and the students really are worth the, the benefits for the teacher. I think uh, weigh in heavily here, and that it just makes uh, designing things. It's sort of fun for me. I enjoy it, and it makes my teaching um, interesting. I agree with that. Also, I mean. We live in an age where kids are connected to their phones or their mobile devices more so than, say, a laptop or a desktop. And Moodle works very nicely on And yeah, now it does. It didn't for a long time, and they've made that jump over that hurdle. And now students can use their cell phone. So often I find them getting online at very odd hours or short times, but and then I ask them, well, when do you do this? Well, often they're waiting for their friend and their friend sends them a message. Oh, sorry, I'm gonna be five minutes late. I missed the train. So now they're stuck there for five minutes. Like, oh, five minutes? I can do that homework for Bill's class. I have to do it anyways. And informally, I've surveyed my kids um, about this and many of them say when their friends are late, or they're on the train, they're bored. Um, and just to go back to earlier about the students doing the homework, this semester I asked the students at the beginning of the semester, do you want to keep using Moodle as your homework platform or would you like to use the paper and pencil thing? Out of nine classes, only one class chose to do the homework with paper and pencil. Everybody else wanted it. This is a majority vote kind of thing. Yes, majority vote. And after we started the semester, the class that asked to do the paper and pencil, I had a much, much higher rate of kids not doing the homework than the kids who actually did it on their phones or Moodle. So yeah, it sounds like there's some really good benefits. So I'm just thinking if somebody says, hey, you know, I've never really used this kind of technology as a teacher. I'm really committed as a teacher. I want to give my students the best opportunity. I'm beginning to think that my suggestion would be, why don't you start off with like an online service that does one thing, like Google Forms or start off with Socrative or Quizlet, yeah. for example. Get comfortable with that. Maybe use one or two of those separately yeah. until you're really familiar and you kind of have an idea of what they can do. And then maybe use something like WordPress to get your own website up. Because I think going from not even understanding a website to going to Moodle is too big of a jump for most people, is the way I feel, because almost everybody I know who has used Moodle has already had a website. So maybe that might be a way to go. So you try using one or two of these services, Google Forms, Google Docs, or Quizlet. Once you get familiar with that, you've got it working, you can see a benefit, you think that oh, I need to add on, I want to add on something, you get another separate unit. And maybe after a while you got your own website, and then when you think, okay, now I'm ready, I want to be able to put everything together, I can go to Perfect. Moodle. Yeah. But or if you're a teacher, you can just you probably university has something that you can we we have it here. It's in Japanese, so that's why a lot of people don't like to do it. They have it with Kaidaigaku too. And you can basically like what you're saying, get a taste of it and then decide if you want right. to pursue yeah. that. Yeah, the problem is like in my school we have an LMS and it's just so clunky. It's a great word. You know, I just and I'm pretty tech savvy. I mean I run my own website, I've got my students uploading, doing all sorts of stuff, and I was just like, absolutely no, I am not going near this thing. So I think that maybe 
choosing carefully one of the better designed services. Now start with start with something free. Test yes. the waters. Like Edmodo is great. Yeah. I mean, it has a lot of a lot of similar features. I mean, I I was comfortable using Moodle, and I just thought, well, let's screw around with Edmodo, and I tried it, and I thought, oh, I sort of naturally know how to do this because I can use Moodle. I um, mean, it offers similar ideas, similar mm -hmm. similar things you can do. Um, but again, Moodle has much, much more. Right. I'm just thinking of that person starting out. Sure. Because yeah. people who are already familiar with Moodle yes. have either used it or are using yeah. it or have made a choice, like me, to not use it because I can do things, I think, more efficiently and yeah. effectively on my own. I'm thinking of the person who's listening and thinking, yeah, you know, that sounds okay, but man, I don't want, I'm not, no, I'm not giving up two months of my vacation for this. And they're not confident. So there are free services, and I think that's a good point. Mm -hmm. Definitely do not put any of your money into it, mm -hmm. especially if you're a part-timer, right, and it's your own money. Because it's only once you figured out how to use a website or Moodle that it's worth. What and what are we looking at? We're looking at um, how much to, for hosting? About five dollars a month. Yeah, I'm paying now two hundred and fifty dollars for three years. That's eighty-three dollars a year. Yeah, um, and that saves me now. I mean, you know, it initially did, but now I say probably at least ten hours a week. I have 10 hours free a week because of this. So yeah, for me. Your time's worth nothing. I'm worth well, I know. Yeah. Well, yeah, what was it, five cents or what? <laughs> yeah. Five yen or something? So you're saving 50 yen, yen over 80? Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. not a good deal. But, you know, it, but, it, right. it is, yeah. So it's kind of the cost of doing business. But there are a lot of ways to do this for free. Um, yeah. If you want to get a free website without any hosting, it's easy to do with WordPress.com, for example. I think Tony has his own website, but for his separate classes, he uses WordPress.com. Com or org or, or one of the two. It's .com, and you get your own name. And even WordPress is kind of clunky, which is why I don't use it. I use something called Ghost, which is a lot easier. I'm going to geek out here. But so people start off with something simple. It's free. Try one thing, like an online quiz or an online homework thing or a listening thing. Just post documents there that you, or so just, that students when they don't come, they know that they can go to right. your just get your syllabus up even. Yeah. And and this is yeah, they can see the schedule. And just start there and start simple until yeah. you're comfortable and see where the errors are, ask your students what problems they're having, and slowly, gradually, step by step work it out. Yeah. Okay. I think we've You've made a salient and valid set of arguments for why people should use Moodle, right? Okay. Are you sold? Am I sold? I don't know. I still think um, I'm one of the people. I, I don't understand why Moodle doesn't come with easy presets. That's what I was talking about. You know, about. I, I think light. part, I mean, this is, the, the show's going to go way over. I was about to wind down, but no, you had to say this and I'm ready for a rant. The problem, I think, with Moodle is it's done by people who are really computer savvy. Now, to me, I do not understand why Moodle does not come in in an overly simplified form where anybody looks at it and goes, wow, this is really easy. And it says, go here for more features. I, asked, I said, what, what's wrong um, with Moodle Lite? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Less taste, less filling, tastes great, but less filling, right? Yeah. I think you're, I mean, personally, over the 10 years or more that I've been using it, it has become a much easier, less clunky. It's, it, yeah, that's like, but that's like saying Python or Unix has become well, less yeah, clunky, it, but it's still. Well, even Facebook, if you remember Facebook when it first started and seeing it now, it's like totally but that, I, I understand, and I'll give credit to the Moodle people for moving on, but I still think I don't understand why it just doesn't come 
with like you're exactly as you're saying and there should be just like a Moodle like download this if you're just starting out and I'm just thinking that that is. would be I, I have not checked lately but that so. would be something but I'm just saying that's kind of what happens what I hear from yeah. people and I know I look at Moodle and I just kind of go oh no how am I gonna get my students to figure this out why do I have to, why do I have to shut things off I, I prefer to turn things on right shut because here's the thing Knowing how to shut things off is a lot harder than turning things on yeah. because you need to know where to go and stuff. So anyway, yeah. but I think that we've covered a lot. I think that if somebody's interested, they know how to kind of move forward and try things out. They understand the advantages. And to summarize real quickly, it strikes me that what both of you guys are saying, the major advantage of Moodle is that it saves you time. The benefits for the teacher are incredible. There are benefits that accrue to students. Flipped classroom, consistent work, we have distributed learning, but the real benefit, it's just unpractical, is for the teacher. And it's and and I find it interesting to use. I find it interesting to use, but um, the people who aren't into tech would probably think now. Okay. And I think it also depends on your students. I thought I teach, taught over the Bloomgate Octopus literature, art, actual visual arts and theater arts majors. They're not gonna go for it. I mean, not in the same way. They might like parts of it, but getting them, they, they, want, they want the actual in-class stuff going on. And the outside of the class, they're willing to do prep work for skits and things like that, but it's not the kind of stuff that Moodle would help with. And I think Schoolology or Schoology or whatever it's called, I think that they actually base it on kind of like a very similar Facebook kind of interface. But you know, I showed, I think I showed you my, my website. Mm -hmm. And it's intentionally simplified, a lot of white space, really simple font. You know, and little icons to indicate things. And the students, and I constantly ask feedback from the students, you know, rank it, rate it, you know, which parts are easy to use, and you're constantly going around and simplifying. But that's really, you know, keep it simple. Okay, let's wind it up. I think we're about to be kicked Thanks, out Charles. of this building, right? I'd like to say thank you to George and Bill and Kim. Thank you for coming by. We really appreciate it. And uh, we'll hopefully talk to you guys more, I think, you know, in the oh, future. Good. All right. Right, thank you very much. Too. Moodle 2. <laughs> thank you very much. Thanks, Charles. Thank you, Charles. So, uh, what do you think? That was, that was pretty good, Charles. Well, thank you. Glad you yeah, liked I, it. I liked it, yeah. A lot of, lot of interesting ideas. Um, really good discussion. And, um, uh, well, I enjoyed it. it. It's nice to listen to people who know what they're talking about, but... Yeah, maybe unlike the two of up. us, right? <laughs> the two of us. <laughs> but if you, you know, it's a chicken and egg thing, right? It's like here's a here's a discussion about Moodle. I'm going to tell you what about, all about Moodle. But if you don't know what Moodle is and you don't know about, about Moodle, you kind of can't get a handle or a first step on the ladder of, of of what it is, right? So it's for people who don't know what it is at all, it's kind of hard to get into that and grasp it at the beginning right yes you know it's it's a really good point you take two people like bill white and george truscott you know real uh, not only do they know what they're talking about uh, that was really impressive to me is how much they knew about moodle and how they had adapted moodle and made uh -huh. moodle theirs that was really uh -huh. interesting for me it's like all these little different things they were doing that was just like wow even though, as you could tell from, I think, the interview, that I'm not fond of Moodle, but to see how people who really knew what they were doing could really modify it, adapt it, and make it into something really good for themselves. Um, and we should also, by the way, say thank you to Kim Cannell for coming in and participating as well. We didn't mention that in the beginning. Um, but 
if you, as you said, Tony, if you don't know what it is, it's really difficult. And trying to walk George and Bill back to like, hey, explain this to somebody who's never even seen it. It was interesting to see how, again, how much knowledge people bring into something and how hard it is to go back to a beginner's mind and that yes. place where we don't know. Right. So I think your point is really well taken. I was trying to walk them back a couple of times and I think I don't even, I'm not even able to walk that far back anymore. It's hard. It's, it's hard. To think about somebody who's never looked at or even thought about using a website as a teacher. It's very difficult. Mm. Yeah. A, but, lot, a lot of assumed knowledge and assumed experience and, and exposure. Right. And, you know, for example, understanding the difference between running your own website versus running an LMS, um, you know, knowing about these different kinds of things. For example, the concept of an online gradebook, I think people would just view that as a spreadsheet, whereas it's a that's one way to look at it, but it's much more than that. So I think it's really hard if you have never played around with something like that. Hmm. But you've used, tried to use Moodle? I've tried a couple of times. And um, yeah, I appeared just very early on in the process. I, 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 for myself, I just made a decision that the learning curve and the return on this, is, it's not going to work for me. And um, yeah, it's just, it, it wasn't going to work for me. I, I've had ex experience with computers and using tech and teaching. Um, like you, I, I have web pages um, set up for students, individual classes. I have a general website for, which is kind of a depository for uh, materials for many classes, and then they have individual pages for uh, individual classes. Uh, and I'm comfortable with you know being able to do a lot of things that Moodle does in terms of just you know sharing information, putting files up there for the students, whether it's, uh, you know, something to read or something to listen to or something to watch, you know, video files, audio files, text files, PDFs, uh, things to share with them. Um, I, I do that my own way. Um, and um, I enjoyed your discussion with them about, you know, the basically the two different philosophies, something like Moodle, like a, a system that takes care of everything for you versus specifically specific tools for certain kinds of tasks. And you've got a really good analogy for that. Yeah, we were well, we were talking before we were recording today. And to me, it seems like Moodle's like a really, what that really super fat Swiss army knife. <laughs> you know, the one that's about, it seems like it's like two inches wide mm -hmm. and it has everything in it. Everything and you need. It, but... <laughs> or, and stuff you would only need one time in your life, but it's going to be there. And... Um, I think, Tony, it was your comment, right, is that you have every possible, after I made that comment, you responded by saying that there's every possible tool there, but none of those tools is as good as, for example, a Phillips screwdriver. A dedicated tool, right. A dedicated no, no, no. tool, right. They, <laughs> no, no. It gets kind of into that 75-80% level, and mm -hmm. I think maybe some Moodle users will um, d disagree with us, but that's how I really feel. It's like, I'm sorry, I'm not willing to carry around a big, heavy, fat um, Swiss Army knife all the time yeah. in my bag where I only have 75% access because both you and I do the same thing. We use the website. For, so, for example, you're even more granular than I am with the website. 
you have your own website and then you have websites for each class. Right. Whereas I have my website and that is for all my classes. It has links to each different class. So we even approach that differently. But yeah, my feeling was after listening to George and Bill that, you know, it's a really big Swiss army knife. And some people really like that. And I think other people prefer just pulling in separate apps or separate tools to get that that specific job done. Mm. Right. So yeah, I think the other the other part of it that that we talked about, well, emailed about discussed online, orally, whatever, um, is whether it's the the Moodle is a thing for is it for the teachers or is it for the students? And, and we might disagree a little bit on this. Well, from listening to know. George and Bill, mm. it really seemed their approach was that it just benefits the teacher so much. It has benefits for the students, but the real return ROI, the return on investment, is for the teacher. But you think it benefits the students more based well, on what you heard? I, I, well, again, I'm, I'm coming at it from my perspective, and like I... I see Moodle as a, and it was, I guess it's maybe it hinges on the semantics of benefit. I, I see it as kind of a teacher toy. And um, George talked uh, about that's going to uh, get a lot of responses. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, but 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 I don't I don't mean that in a dismissive way, right? Right, we like um, toys. And George talked about the the benefit. I mean, because hey, we all like toys. <laughs> I like my toys, um, and there's nothing wrong with that. And George talked about it, it's like you know as as a um, a great way to stave off teacher burnout, right? It's a it's a, a way for a te- especially for someone who's interested in tech to revisit. And when when you're using something like Moodle or or anything or or what we do, right? The setting up web pages for your students, it forces you to go back and rethink what you do, how you do it. Are you doing it the best way? Is this new tool, whether it's like the the Phillips screwdriver or it's that Swiss Army knife, is this? going to make things better is going to make it easier how um you know am i serving the t- and then you have to think am i am i serving the tool am i serving myself am i serving the student um so and which yeah. am i considering more, which am i more interested in right and how is this gonna you know because it, it nothing happens in the vacuum and it's going to change all kinds of things um uh, it's you know we it's a dynamic environment and students now even year by year are more and more um, adaptive to technology. I mean, you know, they, of course, they're all you have the phones permanently attached to their hands, but what they do with them and how they use them has changed a lot. I'm seeing quantum leaps in the, my classes this year with at one university, um, students bringing um, PCs to class, bringing laptops to the classroom. Um, it was. I remember the first time a student did, and it was it was at at, at Kane Die. Um, obviously, a long time because I haven't been there for maybe twelve years, thirteen years. Um, but it was before then. It was you know, one of the tech major classes, and someone brought finally brought a laptop to class. And I remember it. I mean, distinctly, it's like wow, finally, you know, like two thousand, two thousand one. Here's a student bringing a, a laptop to class, but it's still very rare here in Japan, until this year. Hmm. And at Osaka University, this is Hyundai. Um, I'm, I'm looking at a class, and I've, it's a big class. It's like 40, 45 kids. There were at least 10 open laptops on their desks. And it's like, I've never seen this before. <laughs> um, so everything is changing. And I think one of the um, 
advantage of listening to that d discussion uh, on Moodle is it gives you uh, maybe a hint of where things are going. And it might not be what you want to do today um, for reasons that I think we'll, we'll talk about in a couple in a, in a minute or two. Uh, but it gives you a hint of where things will be in a number of years, where uh, schools get a little bit more on board with it. Students are expecting this kind of thing, and it becomes, and younger teachers replace us old farts. Um, that becomes like more of the norm. Um, I don't know if that Moodle is going to be it, but it's going. It gives. I think it gives you a, a hint of where that's going, and so hmm. maybe interesting for that for that reason. Mm, that's an interesting way to look at it. I'm just and, thinking. Um, yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no. Yeah, I was just thinking about what you said about students using compute laptops, and I'm. You're right. I think I'm seeing a little bit more this year. Interesting. You know, I teach um, a seminar, junior seminar, and a senior seminar at my university, and I have four students in my junior seminar, and one has a a MacBook Air. And the other three bought iPads hmm. because they talked to their seniors who had been in my, my seminars and they realized that they need something. Mm -hmm. They need a device for reading and accessing and getting online and doing things. So I think you might be right. There might be a shift. But yes, the discussion was interesting just if you even just to see how are things going because obviously I think George and Bill are first or second wave people using these kinds of technology. Mm -hmm. If you look at Moodle, how it's kind of trickling down. Um, these are tech savvy guys, but mm -hmm. I don't know where you were going to go with the discussion, but I just want to go back to one thing, which is you talked about the learning curve. Uh -huh. That was truly <laughs> scary. I think that's what turned both of us off, right? Because I, when I was listening well, I to got the, turned, the interview... No, yeah. yeah, I'm sorry, Tony. And I just want to. I was looking at the thought. website. It's a, it's a. Oh God, it's a mess. It's still a mess. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say the thought that I wanted to finish was that I looked at it and I said, okay, this learning curve is too high for me overall. I mean, I have. I let me rephrase. I had a Moodle server in my office and I used it for a year, or two years max. Um, and if I had known what the learning curve was before I started, I wouldn't have done it. I think. Right, and, and you have to, again, just to go back, again, walking it back to the beginning, it's like the 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 price of entry is running a server out of your house. Possibly. It's not. Not anymore. <laughs> oh, not anymore. Not, oh, you can not do it anymore. online? They have, um, you can get Moodle um, online. There are providers who will okay. run the Moodle server for you. Okay. But as I said, you know, <laughs> as we talked about in the discussion, it's still pretty... It's not an easy, even then. So running the provider out of your house or setting up a provider or getting your own, you know, that's still a lot for some people. Hell yeah. Choo you know, and even choosing which provider to use. I mean, for example, we you use, I think, GoDaddy, right? Yeah. And I use Ghost. That's my blog on my website. And that's, um, you know, the whole software and the server. But I also use DigitalOcean's when I'm testing things out and deciding whether or not. And I've run... WordPress under DreamHost, but you know it take it took a month to figure out which hosting service to use. So then you have to understand a hosting service, and you have to understand uploading and downloading, and it's uh, right, but it's a lot. There's a lot for people who aren't tech oriented. 
Mm-hmm. And that's a that's a, a it's not necessarily not really just a, it's not a Moodle problem, right? Um, right. Again, we're that's in a, a good a, point. A, just, it's a, it's a, we're in a huge, I mean, transition stage. I mean, we always are. I mean, that's life, right? Um, but it's a, yeah, ed, t- tech, getting it into education is not a trivial task. I mean, um, we, we talked about this too. Even Apple can't do it. I mean, Apple's tried a number of different things, and, you know, they're actually very, usually pretty good, iTunes notwithstanding. Uh, <laughs> Um, iWeb notwithstanding, I mean, they've had their failures too, but they're pretty good at bringing the, the tech down to um, the novice level or the uh, user level that's not especially tech savvy and making it accessible to everybody. Um, they haven't been able to do that with education either. I mean, even their iBooks thing is not what it should be. Right. Um it's it's a it's a it's a tough thing because it's I I and I guess it makes us kind of aware of how complex our job really is <laughs> maybe um, what teaching is and all we all think we, we know what it is but when you try and break it down like for a machine it's like mm, oh we forgot this part oh we forgot this part it's, like, it's almost like a self driving car right. <laughs> it's like oh whoops whoops <laughs> <laughs> we didn't we didn't account for that white truck passing in oh, front of us on oh, a please, gray please. sky right, and, right, yeah. right. whoops <laughs> and um so it's it's not easy and and as, as you said with the, the moodle, moodle <laughs> um, designed by tech folk and maybe not so you know rather than teachers and so it is a that no, learning it's curve te- is, it's, it's is, designed is by teachers with tech it's designed yeah. by either tech people who are teachers or teachers who are tech people but it's it's exactly what i said when i was talking with george and bill and this is really upsets me i don't understand why there's just you don't go in and on your first use it's an incredibly simple you know here it is. If you want more complex things, click here. Uh huh. Yeah, absolutely. That, 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 that really on the home page, the very beginning should be a beginner mode, an intro mode, a, a Moodle light, something that just gets you, you know, buttons to push. Um, it, it, there's, no, even, there's nothing on the page that even explains what it is. Yeah. It just, or it, even, there's all this assumed knowledge, right? And it's, yeah, for the for someone who's not already made someone who hasn't already made the decision to do this, it's daunting. I, I, I mean, duh, we 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 went away. I went away. It's yeah. like oh, well, this ain't that, for me. I, right, and I think that's an interesting thing that, I mean, you and I can sit down. I think, and over the years, we've talked about even you know things like command line accessing stuff with a command line. We're not mm-hmm. super geeky. We don't code. But we know our way around a machine, and we've spent a lot of time learning about Macs just because we use them so much. But I think it says something that you and I both go towards a very different model than Moodle. Hmm. We use our own website. We use a separate tools, and I know that... Yeah, we use maybe... dedicated tools rather than a system. Yeah. Yes, right, exactly. And so the reason to do that is that, you know, when... You know, George really said he took him two years. Yeah. And, you know, George's reasons for that. And George is a very careful person. And I really respect George. And, you know, that 
you know, you get the feeling that George, you know, would never do something in a class unless it had been piloted a whole lot. <laughs> you know, he's real careful that way. Sure, yeah, yeah. And then you think about Bill, you know, who's doing so many things and is really adept at these things and also a real good guy. And he, what did he say? He spent an entire two-month vacation. Mm-hmm. And I could, I'm guessing that Bill was in front of the computer for six to eight hours every day, minimally, I would when guess he's that talking right. about that. Yeah. And it didn't take me that long to get a website up. Right, and, and with with Bill, even and after that, and, and after having used Moodle, he said that he didn't use it for, there was a period of two years where he didn't use it. Right. In a two-year moratorium. It's like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, can you imagine doing going walking away from what you do for two years and being able to function? I can't. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know if that's the best analogy there, but it... The, but it's telling... Is yeah, and this is, I kind of feel like this. The well, that Moodle recently has gotten a lot better. I mean, there's been a lot of improvements in design over the previous versions. It looks a lot better, it's a lot nicer. There are now things like themes where you can change the way it looks and the color scheme, but you no, know, it's open source, which means nobody's being paid really to do it. There, people are giving their own time, so of course it's not going to look as nice as something professionally done. But even if I go to some of the other learning management systems, um, I still can't get into them. They just seem to, you know, difficult to use, not not intuitive, and they don't have that switch that I want. Right. Right. Exactly. I just you get want... into, that, get into that quandary with the. In the, the dedicated tool versus the system that's trying to do it. I think your, your, your Swiss Army knife analogy just is just perfect. Yeah. Um, um, but I do want to point out that Moodle still is better than most, okay? There is, um, at, at a school, they have a learning management system that I looked and I was just trying to put, open up and start a class. And after 15 minutes, I just said, forget this. <laughs> this is clunky. This is terrible. Why do I have to fill in all this information? I want to start a class. I want to name it and I want to click and I want it. And then it should automatically fill in week one, week two, week three, you know, set the number of weeks, right? Some of these you can do, but this one that I was using was just terrible. I just thought it was awful. And, uh, but maybe it's helpful for us to, we could do one of two things. One would be to say, these are the tools we use. And then I think after that is maybe say, okay, if you're a beginner, this is these are the steps we would take. What do you think? I think go with the beginner because what we do, we can talk about that in a whole nother right. show. Right? Okay. But what do you what do you think the, the beginner should do? I think if I were a be talking to if I were a beginner starting out, or I was explaining to somebody, I say the first thing you should do because it's going to cost you zero money right away is you go to wordpress.com, which is the big website driving blogging kind of provider and software for this, and open up an account with wordpress.com and start playing. And they will have the themes they choose for you and open and start learning how to just post things. For example, just post your class schedule onto wordpress.com with your own little website and then have your students just able to access that. That would be my first step. What do you think? I, I like that. And just like, let me just bracket or like add something onto it. Start off in your head, one class. Right. 
I'm just going <laughs> to do 15 classes. Yeah. One I'm class. just going to start off one class. Try it with one put... small class <laughs> right. and try it. Or even if you have a big class, it doesn't matter um, because all you're going to do is put your schedule up and you're going to learn how to separate the weeks or, for example, and get just familiar with just clicking. And this is WordPress.com is pretty easy. It has a little place where you type, you choose a page. But you see, even then you have to figure out and you're going to have to get familiar with what's the difference between a blog post and a page, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it will require some effort, but I would start right there. So first off, you put your schedule up. Okay, what would be the next thing um, for your one class that you're putting up trying to get familiar with it? Schedule weekly posts, um, what you did in class, um, auxiliary information. like. Uh, well, so let's add, go one add, at a time, Tony. So well, you put your schedule up. What's the next thing you're going to do? Um, you're familiar week, now. You're week, comfortable putting up the schedule. Weekly posts about what you are going to do or what you did. What you did. Okay. Okay, so next week we're going to do this. Okay. And today we did this, and here are some links for you. Okay. Ah, and so the links are what? Depending what you did in class. It depends what kind of class it is. And that was the other thing with, with the Moodle thing. It's like, you know, I've, I've got 12, 13 preps a week, all different classes. So uh, if it's a listening class, well, then you're going to have, you know, either audio files or links to uh, things on YouTube. Uh, if it's a reading class, you're going to have, you know, either things that you've written or you're going to link to other, like, reading sites. Like the uh, George talked about the Paul Nation speed reading things. Um, it depends on the class that you've got, what's relevant okay. for what you did in class. Okay, so I'm going to simplify it a little bit more because this is what I would Good. do. Think, okay, so you've got your schedule up, and that's just week one, where you know the general kind of almost like a syllabus, and you're just putting that up online, and then students can access it. The next thing you're going to do is kind of like the weekly schedule. So week this we did this this week, and we did that this week, and that's it. The yep. third thing step would be add links to um, either websites that were used or maybe um, some helpful websites. After that, I think you would learn how to upload your material to your website. For example, you have a homework assignment or something and then create the link to it. That would be the fourth step for me. You know, really breaking it down into simple steps mm -hmm. as so people can get really familiar because there's a difference between linking to a site and then uploading your material and learning how to do that. What would you do after that? Uh, I would just I would just basically do that, and then I would just expand it to other classes, which is basically grow. what you and I do, right? With our websites, we limit our websites to that, yeah. right? Yeah. What um, we we we, we kind of got off. We were talking about the benefits to the teacher and benefits to the students. But one of the things that um, uh, listening to something that we that I can't do. I don't I don't know if you're doing this or if you know how to do this or have made this next step. Um, it's certainly not possible with what I have. I would need to expand into something else. But something that George talked about that it's like if there was going to be something that like would entice me to bite on this uh, bite into this apple would be the uh, the student interactivity with you talked about the writing where mm -hmm. students um, could see each other's writing and comment on it and add to it and they could interact amongst themselves 
um, with their writing. Um, that is uh, very appealing to me, and um, I don't have the t I don't have the tool for that. Um, I would right. I would like to do something like that. I did experiment a little bit with using kind of with Facebook and make a Facebook group where mm. they could post things and share things with each other. Uh, but like, 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 I think like we said, with Blue, it was so much work and it was not a teacher saving, teacher time saving tool at all. It was an incredible time sponge. Yeah. Um, Google Docs I don't know will if do was, that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Google yeah. Docs allows it. Um, yeah. Quip allows it. Mm. Q-U-I-P, but that's a paid thing. But there are, again, there are those specific tools. You know, there are interactive yep. um collaborative tools for working online again but you know again we're looking at separate tools but google docs is a good thing for that mm -hmm. I and think. the other thing that they mentioned that that appealed to me was uh well not meant to me specifically but something i saw was a really nice benefit was the um uh vocabulary drills and the vocabulary things mm. and the recycling um uh, random questions of things I, I don't teach enough of the same type of class that's useful for me but um, to, to be able to set something like that up for uh, a group of students, I think, would be a nice thing, right? Yeah. Well, um, you could tell I was excited by that. Yeah. Yep. That, I thought, was hands down, now that you pointed out, the biggest advantage to me for Google would be mm. vocabulary practice and that ability just to recycle certain aspects, randomize them. Yep. you know and have which ones yeah are... i could i could yeah you yeah they, they mentioned it and you read you just picked up the ball and ran <laughs> ran for the goal i was with it yeah, yeah that you that were excited <laughs> well because that is something that can't really be done easily without tech yep that was the real key there right in the same sense yep. of the collaboration on writing yep those are things that can't really be done with non-tech equipment given our situation you know, once right. a week meeting with students, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So there are there are certain things that it does that uh, are really, really great. Yeah. So but, that, that was I saying, those I saw really benefits for the students, right? Really right. Right. useful for their learning. But again, those things are available in separate um, right. tools. Yep. And that's the so. key. So for someone starting out, until Google gets that little click button, right? Moodle, Moodle, Moodle. <laughs> Moodle, Moodle. What I said, Google, right? Yeah. Oh, sorry. Moodle, Google. What is this thing with oodles things? Okay. Ah. Yeah, that's a good question. So until they do that and you're starting out, just take it easy step by step. And even just having, by the way, just having your schedule up with what we did each week is really that's helpful a good way because... To start. Yeah, because you just turn to students and go, you don't have to worry if you're absent anymore. And that saves the teacher. I mean, that alone will save you a lot of um, irritation and difficulties and provide the student with a good service and slowly get into it little by little. And you might find that after, and my guess is it would be, what, about a year of doing this no, stuff little one, by little? One year, one year, cycle through, sure. One, right. one academic year, cycle it through, and then, then reassess. And you might be ready to start playing with Moodle. But I think if you go just go right into Moodle, you're going to <sighs> kind of be overwhelmed. It's, it's, it's well, yeah, it's, it is overwhelming. It, it's, right. it's a lot. Yes. I mean, it's got great potential, but it's, it's, it takes a commitment. Yeah. 
And the people I know who have used it, like George and Bill, and have really created some really incredible things that really benefits their students and helps, you know, learning outside of the classroom. Um, and I really admire that. I just, oh yeah, really great respect. I mean, like like yeah, George really got to tip Bill your hat. Yeah, Tom Robb in Kyoto. I mean, the, the, oh man, it's what they've been, what they've put together, what they're yeah. able to do is just really, really, really impressive. Yeah, and it's it's incredibly valuable, and it's really worth looking into. But again, as we were saying, the point is that if people like you and I would rather or end up choosing a different alternative, then I really would like the Moodle people to really just try to simplify and really focus on it. This, you know, that making that really easy to get into for people, really create a beginner mode. I think would be their, you know, is a really important thing to do. So anything else we want to add other than real thanks to George and Bill for taking their time and Kim Cannell for coming in as well. And thank you for taking the time to, to ah, put all that together. I was, it was a real pleasure to, as you said, to sit down with some people who really, really knew their stuff and had really thought about it and could, and I thought both George and Bill were really fair in assessing Moodle also. Sure. They weren't evangelizing. They weren't saying that Correct. without a doubt this is a great thing. I thought they both presented a really balanced approach um, yep. and a set of opinions about how to use it, what to use it, and why it's good, and what it and the needs that it serves. So, real thanks to George and Bill for that. Yeah, and echoing something that that I mentioned that that George had said, um, but the maybe the biggest benefit to either Moodle or um, you, what you know what we talked about and which you outlined as as basic first steps, um, kind of a roundabout benefit is that when you uh, explore these new tools um in for your own teaching um it gives you it forces you gives you the opportunity <laughs> to um take a fresh look at what you're doing and you can maybe learn it forces you to, like, again like break things down into steps and bits smaller bits and pieces and maybe can teach you some things about what you're doing and better ways to do it that maybe have nothing to do with tech whatsoever. It's a really good uh, point. But looking at it with fresh eyes, um, you know, George talked about like avoiding burnout and stuff, but you, you don't even have to be near burnout. I mean, just it's just forcing yourself to self-evaluate a little bit, really analyze what you're doing. Why am I doing it? Maybe I don't need to do this. Maybe I've been wasting, you know, 10 minutes uh, of each class time doing things that probably are not benefiting anybody. Um, and just making extra work for, for the, the students and myself. So um, I think that can be a benefit all by itself. Even if you decide at the end of that year, it's like, oh, no, not ready. <laughs> not ready for prime time. I'm, this is not for me yet. Um, you'll at least have taken another look at what you're doing and um, maybe improving things for everybody, including yourself. That's a really good point. And I echo that. And even if it's just minimally looking at your materials, mm -hmm. because if, right, you're gonna exactly. put, if you're gonna put a link up to your materials, you're gonna look at your materials a little bit differently. And even, um, for example, one of the real benefits for me of just putting my materials online and accessible to students is looking at the design. Yep. of the materials is it is easy to use is it clear is it ah, as soon as somebody sees it on a screen can they figure out what's going on that alone has helped me a lot so even if for non-tech reasons just trying this out 
again, as you said, Tony, it's going to really benefit people in a variety of ways. Good point. And I think maybe a good time to call it a day. I think so. <laughs> it's been a long one. This is a long one, yes. This is a very long episode. <laughs> but um, Well, thank you all for your patience. Yes. And I am Charles Wiz. Tony Silva. We're two teachers talking, and you know where <laughs> at this point in time. Okay, Tony, Alrighty. thank you very much. Okay. You have a good week. See you now. Bye.